Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work, a special Tuesday edition of Friends from Work. I don't know if we've we've had, I guess we've had one other Tuesday edition. It's still pretty special though. And today is even extra, extra special because we are speaking with one of my favorite creators working in comics today. And that is Kelly Thompson, who has written all kinds of fantastic stuff. You might know her from Captain Marvel, which she's currently writing. You might recognize the name because of headlines lately announcing that she has been slated to be part of the creative team writing The Amazing Spider-Man once Nick Spencer's current run ends. The Amazing Spider-Man is, if you don't know, about the top comics job you can have uh, and so that's a huge deal. Super proud of her for that and really excited to see what happens there. But we're talking to Kelly today because she is currently writing a fantastic Black Widow series that I think we're on issue seven or eight of. Um, you can get the first trade. We're going to talk a lot about that here, uh, talk a lot about the movie, just talk a lot about Natasha Romanoff as a character in general. We think that you're really going to enjoy it. Um, I wanted just quickly to orient everyone in case you haven't had a chance to read the series. If you want, if you have Marvel Unlimited, you can pause now and go read at least the first five issues I know are available. But if not, what you need to know is this is a really kind of creative look at Natasha where rather than a lot of series that just focus immediately on a bunch of kind of spy hijinks, which is cool, Kelly wanted to make this a, a different thing where it, it starts with Natasha basically losing her, her memory of who she is and winding up in a totally different situation um, and having to piece together why that is, but also that leading to questions about what she values and what she wants her life to look like. It's really emotional. It's also really funny at times. There are characters that you'll recognize from the MCU that pop up. It's just in general, I think, a really great introduction. And it's actually uh, a comic that Kyle has even started reading. Um, we made our trip to Austin Books and Comics and Kyle picked up the first two issues because he enjoyed this conversation so much. So we think y'all are really going to love it. We're really excited for you to hear it. Without further ado, here is our interview with Kelly Thompson. 
All right. Today, we are very excited about the guest that we have for you here. She is the writer of all kinds of comics, really across the board. She's done work for Dark Horse. She's done work for Dynamite, for Boom. I believe she's she's written some Archie comics, which is yes. fun. Uh, for our purposes, um, she has written Captain Marvel, Hawkeye, Jessica Jones, worked on X-Men, and at the moment is writing an incredible Black Widow run. Everyone give a warm welcome to Kelly Thompson. Let's go. <laughs> Hi, guys. It's, Thanks for having our, me. Our whole studio audience gets so excited when we do that. Really impressive. Really, what a what a welcome. <laughs> Applause from two of us, no doubt. Um, Kelly, uh, here's kind of where we like to start a lot of times. What is your history with Marvel, and specifically Marvel Comics? Did you stumble into that or is that something you always dreamed of of writing um well like a lot of kids of a certain age i sort of discovered comics when i was a teen slash preteen, whatever you want to call it teen probably mm-hmm. uh through the x-men animated series and nice. uh yeah so marvel were sort of my first superhero comics and and they were my first entry into i had read archie digest as a kid but more as like finding them in the supermarket and begging my mom for them. Like I didn't understand, like there was a whole world of comics out there and that superheroes really dominated that world in in the American market. So they were sort of my entry point um, and sort of my first love and, you know, maybe my last, I don't know, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) you know, the second I discovered them, I had already wanted to be a writer for a long time. And I always sort Mm. of thought of that as like, I don't know, novels or something. But when I found comics, I was like, oh, oh, this is it. (laughs) (laughs) So that was sort of how I got in. I ended up going, I went to two years at at a more traditional university. And then I transferred after taking a year off to the Savannah College of Art and Design to get a sequential art degree. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. So... I can't remember what the question was because I talked so much. <laughs> I love it so much. It was how did you stumble upon the Marvel comics specifically, like writing those? But also yeah. I want to add, I love how many people, Robbie, have brought up that X-Men series being yeah. their first step into this, which is amazing. I was going to say that too. We we were talking to Michael Waldron, uh, who is the head writer on the Loki show. Um mm-hmm. And he he actually said that, that that Marvel X-Men show was his his introduction as well. I'm maybe well, I know Spider-Man is obviously a very popular character, but I feel like I'm I'm unique in that the Spider-Man animated show was more mm-hmm. my hook than the X-Men one was. I think but. I think it's not surprising that you're that you hear that a lot, if only because I think it, people are the right age now to really be True. making content, you know, for Marvel Comics, for the cinematic universe, whatever, right, who right. were the right age when that happened. So I, I think you're going to keep hearing that a lot. What I wish I knew the answer to is why, why that animated show, uh, which I totally love through my nostalgia glasses, regardless of, of, of problems it has, uh-huh. why <laughs> did that bring so many of us in? And mm. I don't really feel that on the other side you know, despite the fact that we've got this incredible cinematic and now television, you know, I mean, the content is incredible what's being made. And I wish it was driving more people to the comics in droves the way I feel like 
the animated yeah. series like opened a door in people's brains and they walked Ooh. right into comics. And I don't know, maybe it's just because it's just such an embarrassment of riches with the the movies mm-hmm. and the TV shows that mm. people are like, oh, I'll just watch all of these. They're just going to keep coming out and I'll do it. And I don't sure. need the other media, but it bums me out a little bit. I wish I could look inside that and know the secret, you know, because I wish that everyone who goes to Black Widow would read a Black Widow comic. Doesn't even have to be mine. Just read one, you know? It would be amazing. <laughs> right. and, and how many people would be like, "Holy crap, this is incredible." Right. Like, you know, yeah, it's it's funny because um I I grew up reading comics um to some extent like at, at different phases. Like I read the the classic uh, Lee Ditko Spider-Man stuff like over and over and over again when I was mm-hmm. little and then I read Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man and that was kind of my thing for a while whenever I was in my teens um, but I think for me I kind of drifted out of comics as I as I went to college and went off and did what, whatever else and then mm-hmm didn't come back to it. It was sort of that. Like I, I started watching um, these Marvel films and, mm-hmm. and I had been driving by um, the same local comic book store in Austin where I live for months. And one day just had the time and stopped in. And, and I, I realized like at that point, what I was looking for was, was kind of an extension of what I was getting from, I didn't want the same characters I was getting in the films. Right. And, and I I like, which I think is important because I I do think that there are some pretty key differences in a lot Mm -hmm. of cases. Um, But I think what I, what I liked about the MCU is I, it's, it's so great about telling the sort of serial, larger connective tissue kind of story that I think Mm -hmm. comics, especially Marvel comics have always sort of striven for. Yeah, for sure. I think it's interesting that you wanted different characters because when we all saw the animated series, we wanted those characters. I mean, I'm not saying we didn't branch out. Most of us did if we fell in love with comics, but you know, I wanted to know the stories of Rogue Mm. and Gambit. Give me every single Rogue story. What are they? Tell me to that, you know, like, let me hunt Mm. them all down. And I, um, I wonder if a little bit of that for you is that you had the experience already. You know what I mean? Right. Like you right. already knew how much was out there and that this like reignited your interest and then made you go yeah. looking for other things. I wonder. No, I mean, that's that's true because I was so connected. I mean, I was so emotionally connected to to Bendis's and, and, and Bagley's uh, Peter Parker. Yeah. Before I ever met Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker, you know, so mm-hmm. before there was ever a cinematic version like I, I was already living with here are these two different versions of these characters that I like, but I don't really want one to be like the other necessarily because they're both so good doing what they're doing. Right. Um, but I, I think I, I I brought that up because I think you're exactly right. Like I had at least the experience in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. What I've found as we've started this podcast and what has been encouraging to me, and I hope will maybe be encouraging to you is we've had a lot of listeners reach out since we started this a year and a half ago, asking for, for reading recommendations. Um, and a lot of them are people that have never read comics. And we've seen a lot of people go from being folks that have never picked one up and had no interest to now, you know, the people like me that spend way too much on them. Um, (laughs) and, and it's fun because I, I think what I've realized, not that this is that we're bringing anything special here, but I think it's the same thing that my comic book 
store owner did for me when I walked in, which is whenever I was like, Hey, I have no idea what's going on. And I haven't, I haven't read any comics in a decade right. at least. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I love Marvel stuff. I don't know. And so he directed me back to Avengers disassembled and was like, well, this is kind of where everything modern sort of mm -hmm. started. So just mm -hmm. like start there and see what happens. Um, and I was so appreciative of that. And I think a lot of folks we've talked to have also been appreciative to have that sort of guidance. Cause I think sometimes people just feel like it's, it's such a daunting catalog For to sure. get into. And it's confusing as hell. Like I, I right. know all about comics. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm as about as far inside the machine as you can go without being <laughs> a, um, uh, I guess a salaried employee, right. That gets their health insurance right. from sure. Disney and Marvel.com right. or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, I can't sometimes figure out which trade comes first in a run. Like, you know, like right. I, I remember we were talking about the Thor run, which is this incredible run that everyone, Jason Aaron's run, which everyone mm -hmm. should read, but like, because of things that happened during that run, there's like two number ones for, um, the oh, I can't remember the title when it's Jane Foster when it's the Jane right. Foster the mighty, Thor, Mike, Thor? the mighty the mighty Thor yeah. yeah and so I think there are two different trades that have a number one on the spot like it's so uh -huh. confusing so I think that stuff gets in people's way a lot I mean it's it's deeply ironic uh uh that you know the whole impetus, I mean, I'm sure there were sales concerns behind it, whoever made the decision. But as far as I understand, you know, so much of the impetus for doing new number ones is because they're looking around like people are afraid to pick up number 300 of Spider-Man because they're like, well, I didn't read the other 299 issues. I don't know. And right. so it started with this good idea, but now we're just sort of subsumed by number ones. And it's very hard to understand how it all fits together. Um, it's right. tricky. Um, no, it's for great. Sure. It's it's great to hear that you guys are getting that kind of response, though. And and don't don't uh, sell yourself short. I'm sure it really matters to a lot of people the same way that comic shop mattered to you. You know, I you know, no, I I, I appreciate that. And I think it has been um, it's been really fun to see people learning to appreciate the medium, hmm. especially in light of, you know, as as more as it seems like the MCU is willing to explore the things that comics can offer beyond just like the very base level story or the, or like the idea or the nugget of the character, but to mm -hmm. more like mine, even some, some concepts that are very comic booky. Um, and in times, I think even, even cinematically being willing to kind of follow some of the cues there that some of the great comic artists and, and writers have, have set up. So it's yeah. been, it's been our, our pleasure. And, and that's where this is so fun because we're at this kind of perfect intersection here um you know where you're you're writing this eisner nominated uh black widow series which Let's is go. fantastic by the way i'm i'm up to date on and i've been loving it oh, thank um you. right as this black widow film is coming out and so it's it is fun because it's giving we've had a lot of folks reaching out um sort of looking for a jumping on point and and i think you're your series is, is very much that. And, and I was curious, I mean, is that, was that kind of by design? Like when you, when you set out to write this particular series, um, what was it exactly? Or did you kind of have a list of things that you were looking to accomplish? Well, I mean, I think every comic you were right, but especially a number one, 
you're trying as hard as you can for that razor thin edge that's interest that so that it will be interesting and not talk down to the people who've been reading forever, but that's accessible to people mm-hmm. that might be uh, their first comic or their first Black Widow comic or whatever. Um, I think that right. It it's it depends. You know, you're always aiming for that target, and how close you get is like. Some days it works out, some days it doesn't. I've heard I've heard very good things uh, from people on our Black Widow about how accessible it is. I just did a podcast the other day and a guy was like, ah, the guy, one of the guys hosting was like, you know, my girlfriend doesn't really read, but I gave it to her because I thought she'd like it. And she's so into it. And she didn't feel like she had to watch 50 things. And like, she's really excited. She read it before going Mm. to the movie because she goes to all the movies with me. And um, so I thought that was great to hear that he loves it and he's read tons of Black Widow and he still loves it. And she's read no Black Widow and she loves it. So that's Mm. always what you're hoping for. Um, beyond, Beyond that, for me with this arc, you know, I wanted to get away from Red Room stuff because sure. I feel like we've just seen it before. It's been done incredibly well a couple different ways. And I just wanted to move forward. I think Natasha is way more than the Red Room. It's part of her, but she's got so much in her that I want to tell. Um, I also really wanted to, I wanted to give her a story and a an experience that was going to change her in a very permanent way. Hmm. Uh that but that didn't saddle her with a new situation that was going to make it difficult for her to continue being who she is and who we know her to be which is this incredibly devoted superhero and spy who you know lives with a lot on her shoulders uh, but is trying her best and you know she just it's not really feasible for her to settle down with a family even if that was what she wanted and I mean I think our book uh and certainly in the follow-up issues you know that wasn't something she wanted but that doesn't mean you don't take something from an experience like that in issue eight that comes out in two weeks we get like our first sort of her speaking plainly about that experience and to Uh to sort of Yelena in a conversation and it's probably the most words she's she's said <laughs> in in several issues all in one or couple panels um because you know she's not a character that shares she doesn't want to open up she right. keeps she plays right. her cards very close and that's how i write her and i prefer her being written that way uh but that doesn't mean sometimes you don't have to break that and break down a little bit you know like sometimes you got to let someone in before it cracks you open you know and uh yeah i think the experience the 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 complexity of the emotion i you know I, most people really have loved this arc uh, this first arc for her and really think it's shown new layers to her and things like that which are all the things i want to hear the few people that i saw who didn't like it really hated it because, mm-hmm. because, oh, oh, she's got amnesia. Oh, we haven't seen this before. Oh, she's right. We shouldn't be forcing a family on her. This is a misogynistic storyline or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> right. Like, oh, pretending she wants this. And I'm like, that's not what's happening. It's there's an incredibly complicated layer of experiences where you're incredibly angry at people for violating you. But at the same time, out of that experience came something you never expected and something that you truly fell in love with. And so right. 
you you don't want to feel grateful to people who've committed this horrible sin against you. But at the same time, all those emotions are wrapped up together. You can't help but feel grateful that you got to know a child and a whole different life that you never really imagined having. Um, like, how could you wish that away? Right. So right. It, it's incredible. It's, it's just so much more complicated to me than, right. well, she never wanted that or this is misogynistic. I mean, this what's done to her is completely misogynistic. I don't sure. think exploring the intricacies of that trauma. Um, I don't think that's that. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know. There's a well, whole bunch of people out in the world who don't want things to happen to their characters or bad things to happen to yes. their characters, which is right. a sentiment I do not understand at all. We actually um, talk about that on our podcast a lot yeah. too, even from the cinematic perspective, which is just that you have preconceived notions of these characters. And anytime you try something different, there's going to be some people that give you pushback. Sure. Of course. Just, of course. That's how it's going to be. Yeah, of course. Like, listen, people get up in arms, you know, right, right away if they feel something is written out of character. But how do you say what's in character when someone's right. had 60 years of history and been written by, you know, dozens of brilliant creators? Right. And, and, and been adapted into other mediums and things. It's, you know, it's how do you put a pin in what that is? So, you know, we just brought our best story that we could that I thought would really highlight what's sort of amazing about Natasha and puts her on a new path. And fortunately, I had an incredible team to help me do that, uh, primarily in uh, Elena Casagrande and Jordi Belair, the colorist. Mm-hmm. Um, Man. But but honestly, our whole team was incredible. Rafael de la Torre came in to help us out when we were having some schedule issues. And, and you know, our editor, Sarah, that put it all together. It's been mm-hmm. an incredible experience. Well, I, I was going to say that's one of the things that the, that the book does so well is it's dealing with so many intimate issues. Um, but it's doing that, one, by kind of looking at instead of being constantly focused on the past, which like you were saying, I feel like has sort of been Natasha's role in the comics and in the, in the films for the longest time. Um, it's been the sort of look back to the things that, that made her who she was a long time ago. And I think the way that you were able to be transformative in a way that focuses on who she is now, um, yeah. and also being so forward looking, like, you know, in, in the line where I don't want to give too much away to our listeners who I'm sure are going to go, uh, rush to pick up the book, but you know, there, there's a line where you think this is going in this whole kind of John Wick um, revenge yeah. direction, yeah. Uh, which you know I have no problem with. I love John Wick, um, but <laughs> it goes somewhere way more interesting. You know, it, it it rather instead of becoming another, yeah, just you know smaller retrospective, it still yeah. becomes like let's let's like push forward, yeah. let's grow out of this. Yeah, I mean, it, it just revenge while completely appropriate, <laughs> given what she went through. Um, right. It just felt like the obvious thing that we would expect her to do and maybe that a, an old Black Widow would have done. It mm. also felt like, with no disrespect to those stories, those are great stories. It felt like stories of hers I'd read before. And mm-hmm. I wanted instead for her to make a hard choice that, was not easy for her because she would rather be out killing people. Um, right. She'd do something different. And that was the whole impetus. 
I'm very glad we got <laughs> popular and we got a second <laughs> and now third arc because, yeah. you know, it would have been, I think it would have stood on its own as a great little story that hopefully would have come to mean a lot to a lot of people. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing, hey, we're doing this formative story for Natasha that is really going to change her. And then, oh, crap, we weren't popular enough to get picked up. So um, just imagine what that, where she might've gone from there. Uh, Someone else will write the next mini series for her and it'll be whatever. So I'm glad we're getting the chance to explore that. And I hope readers will really like it. I think we're going some fun places. Well, Kelly, that makes me think of a two-parter kind of on the MCU front. Um, Mm -hmm. Is, has it been a cool experience for you to see Natasha get a mainstream audience on screen? That's my first part. And my second, my second part is when you were sitting down to write this, do you take any influence from what Scarlett Johansson has done on screen? Or do you purposely try to avoid that to push it somewhere else? Um, I mean, I think that, I think Scarlett Johansson has done an incredible job as Black Widow. I think, I, I also think that the Black Widow character, even though you know, it's not completely in sync with everything in the comics. It feels like Natasha Romanoff to me. Like Hmm. that, it feels like her. It feels like the embodiment of her, which is exactly the sort of thing we were saying before when I was like, how can you even know what a character is really supposed to sound like when they've been in so many stories over so many years written by so many people? Like, you know, people have, I mean, even just in her own books that have happened, you know, she has a different voice from, you know, some people write her more quippy and, and, you know, sort of sassy and like a lot of dialogue and some people really subdue her. I go more Mm -hmm. toward that side, but so, you know, who's to say what she's really like, you know, whenever I approach a new character, I try to capture the spirit of what I think they are and what Mm. I think people recognize in them. And then I try to bring some of myself to that so that it's Mm. something unique that not just anyone could do. Um, that's always the goal. I think there's how successful you are is depends, right? There's a lot of variance there. But so I would say that to me, that's what the writers and directors and creators and Scarlett Johansson have brought. They've brought a Black Widow that feels like the spirit of Black Widow to me. And so Hmm. Hmm. I don't know that, I don't know that Scarlett's performance influences me, but I just like, I, I find myself wanting to write stories that they would want to tell. Like, even if, even if Scarlett Johansson is Hmm. done and they're not going to do that anymore, like I like what they're doing enough that I'm like, maybe I can write them a story that, that they'll, that comics readers can really fall in love with and that they can say is worthy of, you know, more attention or more exploration or something. Right. Um, And then I think um, the first part of your question was, shoot, I'm sorry. No, you, 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 you actually answered both parts, which is just like, (laughs) has it been cool to see her get a more mainstream audience in that way? But you kind of in a roundabout way answered that, which I I like. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I will say that, you know, man, it took a long time. I'm very excited to see this movie, (laughs) but it is a little frustrating. I mean, forget the whole pandemic delaying it, you know, nearly two years, but, uh, but beyond that, I, I just, you know, when, back when she probably should have had a movie I hadn't even begun my comics career yet fair yeah like I was writing I was writing commentary for CBR like that's how far back it goes Hmm. right like where's our Black Widow movie (laughs) 
Right. It could have happened in 2013 <laughs> post Avengers. I right? mean, you know? yeah. And yeah. listen, it sounds like they did it right. It sounds I'm hearing really great things about yes. it. I'm very excited to see it. Right. Um, but you know, let's be real. It's taken a long time to get here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my entire comics career was born in the time we've been waiting for this movie. So I am, <laughs> I am pumped. <laughs> let's get I, there. I, I kind of love one thing you said a little bit ago, and this is just kind of off the cuff here, but like, I kind of love this dilemma that you would have as a writer where you want to write a character that people fall in love with and they think they know, like you said, she has a feel, right? Or any characters that you have have a feel. And yet there's that balance of like, if you then, you can't just stay stagnant. You have to push it a direction. Yeah. And then when you push it a direction, people might be like, oh, that's not what she feels like. Yeah. But I just, I, there's no, that's not a question. It's just a comment. It's interesting. No, no, it's totally a risk. And it's a thing that I'm sure the the MCU people um, writers, creators, whatever. I mean, they're probably less engaged in social media uh, than comics creators who are out there mm. sort of hustling mm. every sale, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, like the poor slugs we are. But you know, I mean, you you can't you can't throw a rock without hitting someone who's like, this is totally out of character. And right, right. what's in character for some person is out of character for another person. Right. You, you have to let that go as a creator pretty early. So, you know, I just look inside myself. I do my research. I try to figure out what I think they are, who mm -hmm. I think they are, what their voice sounds like. And then I try to figure out what story we, what, what do we need to tell? What do we need to say? You know, what are we trying to get to with them? And uh, that's the best you can do, you know? Hmm. Love that. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting um, to hear you talk about, you know, waiting to see if that second arc was, was an arc you were going to get the opportunity to, to put out there um, much less a third. And and obviously, I mean, given the success of the book, uh, it's it's clear that that you'll be around for a bit, which is exciting. But I, I I think a lot of our listeners probably don't know. You know, we talk about how, especially in kind of you know, given Kevin Feige's tendencies to to hyper long term plan and and get you know really into the the minutia, uh, even on like a macro level, mm -hmm. um, people probably think that that same kind of planning can go into like a full run of a comic. Um, and, and I think, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I wish. Yeah. I mean, you don't, I mean, the first right out of the gate, you know, one of the complaints that I saw, well, I saw both complaints. I saw that people didn't, when they first started, they're like, oh, is she not going to be herself for this whole arc? How long is it going to last? And then I was seeing other people going, well, I, it wasn't enough time for me to connect to these things. Like those were the two complaints I said, which are diametrically opposed. You mm -hmm. can't please, right. if you please one of those groups, you're upsetting the other one. I'm not sure either of them would be pleased by anything I did, you know? Um, but yeah, you don't have a lot of runway. Like we gotta, we gotta introduce these things we're introducing right away. We gotta set up a new status quo and then we gotta get it out of it. And we gotta do it in one arc because we don't know if we have a future. And so it's, right. it's a, it's a very tricky thing. I mean, you know, I wish, I mean, gone are the, gone are the days of, let me have some B and C plots that we're going to slowly put on a slow burn in the background hmm. that are going to pay off later. You just can't write that way anymore for comics, unfortunately. I mean, honestly, uh, Captain Marvel is a really great example of that for me because, you know, oh, yeah. 
I thought we were going to get canceled. Like our numbers were not good by issue five. And then six and seven were guest artists and a tie into War of the Realms. And I was like, man, we're dead. Like, Uh, there's no uh way, like we were supposed to get a year at least, but I bet we're going to get canceled. And, uh, and then number eight hit. And for some reason, the introduction of star got all this excitement. And then a lot of people who hadn't been reading it before went back and picked it up. And Mm. like, and now Mm -hmm. here we are, we're headed into, I think 29 comes out next week and you know, we're approved, we're approved to something like 40, I think. And it's awesome. It's incredible. It's, it's like dream come true stuff at the same time. You know, it's not like when eight got popular and we were seeing, and then the last Avenger, even when 12 did really well and the last Avenger arc was doing really well. It's not like someone goes, okay, you're doing really well. We're going to give you to issue 40. If you want to rethink how you're doing this, it's just not practical for the way comics go. So it's still been arc to arc to arc. Like, (laughs) <laughs> the few times I've tried to set up B plots, I've been really burned by a book being canceled. And then, mm. well, that went away. <laughs> right. Now I can't, now I can't explore that. So, you know, it's just a really different mode than it was back in, uh, you know, I don't know, the eighties and nineties reading Chris Claremont X-Men comics where, you know, yeah. it's this, it's this long unraveling soap opera that's got multiple plot lines for multiple characters it just doesn't exist like that anymore. I mean, I think Immortal Hulk is going to 50. That's an incredible sort of seminal Mm -hmm. run, but it's so rare for a character that isn't, you know, Batman, Wolverine, or Spider-Man, you know, to to just have that sort of security that changes the way you can think about writing a story. Quick tangent here, because you're inspiring me. That reminds me a lot of what I, I would imagine it'd be like to write network television, right? Where, like when you go back to the days of like lost in 2004 or yeah. whatever, like you can't make a show like that anymore because it, it, it you might be writing a plot that you're planning is going to have five years, get canceled yeah. in, in season one. And then yeah. it didn't matter. You know, any of the seeds you planted, that's what that makes me think of as you're talking about that with comics. For sure. For sure. Very similar. And, you know, fortunately um, I feel like the MCU and the TV shows are so strong. Yes. They don't have to worry about that a lot. True. Um, mm-hmm which is great, but we've all seen it happen to shows we love where, gosh, it's something I, something I don't even watch that I was seeing was trending on Twitter the other day, something that was like number one on Netflix manifest or something. And people were like, this is a fan favorite show. And then it got canceled like five days after it was number one on Netflix. And you're like, nothing sacred. (laughs) I don't know how to do anything, you know, like it's, it's a very weird, it's a very weird beast and it's a very vulnerable place to live you know, hmm. how can we, um, I don't know if you guys watched it. Um, Netflix had an incredible show shadow and bone that's based on some novels. And, uh, one of the writers mm-hmm. on that show is my friend, Christina strain, who also writes comics and used to color comics, very famously colored the original runaways book. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. And she's a very talented, uh, screenwriter and, um, she worked on that show and I was just, blown away when I was talking to her just about the complexities of that show, but also you don't know, are you getting more? Is it going to be a hit and you're going into the next season? And fortunately for them, the show is incredible and they got incredible ratings. And so they got, they got uh, approval to go to the second season, I think pretty early for them so that they could think of that. But you know, by the, by the time you're getting approval on that, you've already set those things in motion that are either going to pay off or going to die, you know, and go nowhere. Right. 
So it's it's always risky. Well, we have friends from work are going to try our absolute best, okay, to get people <laughs> reading comics. You have our word on that. <laughs> it's true. Well, it is. Appreciate you know, it's, it. it's funny. Um, we've brought this up a couple of times because I was just really, uh, you know, I, I I was really impressed um, with with Tom Hiddleston's knowledge of Loki's comic history. Uh, we mm-hmm. got to attend the the press event for. Loki, and he was kind of rattling off some creators' names all the way up through Daniel Kibblesmith. Mm, and awesome. I always, who's, which I, I love that, that, you know, sadly but little really Loki recent. run. Yeah, Exa- well, it's yeah, really yeah. recent, yeah. Well, yeah. and, and what's, what's funny about that is I've seen Daniel talk a lot online about how, you know, he, he found out, I think either at issue four or, or at issue five, that yeah. the series wasn't going to continue. So he, he had to kind of pile a lot of stuff in. Yeah to yeah. make this one satisfying thing. And then it's, it's funny that on the one hand you can have that story. And then the fact that that Tom Hiddleston is now out like on the press junket yeah. pointing yeah. people to that comic, you know, it's such yeah. a kind of funny, weird yeah. contrast. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's a, uh, it's a weird world, man. I watched the first episode of Loki today. Oh, wow. oh nice. Yeah. Wow. You like it? It's pretty yeah. good, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great. It was completely yeah. unexpected, which I guess I should have expected with Loki. But, you right. know, I have to say, like, you know, I've been since Go, since Iron Man, I've been incredibly impressed with the quality of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's I unbelievable. haven't liked everything, obviously, but uh, sure. what I what I have liked, I have deeply loved. And even the stuff I didn't like that I felt like didn't really work, you can still see what they're trying to do. You can still see the DNA of like, oh, we're taking this step to get to this step and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the shows have been, I don't know, the shows, the shows to me are so with no disrespect to the MCU, which honestly I love. I watch Infinity War or Endgame and I'm like crying because right. I love uh-huh. these characters <laughs> so much and they're dying or they're in pain or they've all showed up through the magic gate. I almost cussed uh, through the magic <laughs> gate, you know, and we're going to, we're going to save the day. You know, I just it, like the emotions in me are no so doubt. powerful, but I have to say I love the swings the TV shows are taking so far. Yes. I mean, like Falcon and Winter Soldier is a much more traditional, like this is superheroes. They're doing, they're worried. They're working in like a, a gritty real world way. And that's great. But that show next to WandaVision is fascinating to me. And both those shows next to Loki is wonderful. I love this variety because that feels like comics, right? Like, yes, yes, you're going to have some street level, save the world, this thing, but you're also going to have a weird trapped in a magical prison thing and a time story. And like, that feels like comics in such an incredible way to me. Um, Yeah, I was really impressed. And Tom Hiddleston is great, right? Well, Kelly, at front, you're obviously talking to the right people. Like, if you're (laughs) going to get me going, like I can get going on this. You know, I think ultimately, though, Kevin at the top has a passion for these yeah. characters. And I think his passion does come from the comic books, like, and yes. he cares. So yeah, yes. they do swing a lot and sometimes they miss, but in general, like I don't have a history with Marvel. We started this podcast just because I fell in love with it so much. And I'm totally ready to sit up here and be like, Hey, this wasn't very good, but then the stuff keeps coming out and it's still so good. And it's yeah, different I- and good. Like when WandaVision came out, I was as excited for something to be so different. Um, yeah. and our, our listeners know that. And I was just yeah. blown away. I was like, yeah. this is so fun. It's so different. 
And yet it just keeps hitting for me. So yeah, don't get me started on that. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, when you look at that, the breadth of that content and how, how good it is as a whole. I mean, let's take one that is sort of universally like, is Thor two, right? Dark World. Oh yes, people, people you had to work right. it. I love it, Thor. Dark World. Let's go. People, people don't love that one. I don't love that one. You know, there's a lot about it that works, and that's great. And there's sure. a lot about it that doesn't really work. But like, right. you had right. to go there. Right. You had to go to Asgard and see it. We had to have that event. Like, it completely yeah. makes sense why they did it. Um. It just doesn't quite work. Like the first right. one works because Chris Hemsworth is so charming and because it's a fish out of water story and uh-huh. because you get these peaks at these incredible characters. And it's this really grounded sort of origin story about someone who has lost this hammer and is trying to figure out what's going on with them. Like all of that really works. And then you get into this really convoluted Asgard <laughs> stuff and it just sort of doesn't <laughs> land emotionally. Um, right. Has Kelly been doing this podcast with us for two years? I mean, what in the world right now? If you only knew what you're just saying right now to our listeners, they're going to love this. We have a running joke, okay, that we have to kind of work Thor Dark World into every episode. So the fact that you bring it up right now is That's unbelievable. Funny. That's oh. hilarious. That's hilarious. Um, but I like, I can't even be mad at it. You know, it's the same way right. I don't love, n- none of us really love Iron Man 2 either. But Mm -hmm. when you go back and look at it, it's still getting so much right. It's still pushing the story forward, pushing Uh the armor forward, pushing Tony forward. It doesn't quite land, but it's not a bad movie. It just pales in comparison to the home runs, you know? Right, right. right. Okay, last thought on that point, and then I can I can let you say something else. But I was gonna also say what's <laughs> what's to tie us all together, the the shows, what's been so fun now is that they can now dive into these characters more like a comic than a movie ever can. Yes. Just because of the amount of time they have and the real estate. Yep. Like they're dedicating this to Loki. But yeah. One of the fun things that, and I'm not trying to spoil anything for Loki for you, but one of the fun things that the show even can do is it can go back now and make Thor the Dark World even more important. Yeah. Like in the first episode when you're referencing, right. mm-hmm. well, he, you know, you sent them to go kill your mom, blah, blah, right? Yeah. Like all yeah. of a sudden, a movie that wasn't very good in the first place is Which, now more watchable and more important. It's almost like Marvel's taking the challenge, but like, hey, that movie wasn't very good. Well, let's make that be the movie that gives us the introduction to the infinity stones mm-hmm. right like which, they almost can which, add more importance which to i it. think is a very comic book thing to do for the hmm. creators to look back at what was done and what came before and not to pillage from that but to be additive to it you know to hmm. build upon it to build something new on the bones of this thing whether it worked and we want to do more of it or whether it didn't quite work and we want to try and make it better um, right. I mean, I think the other really obvious thing about the shows is that it's a great chance so far, and hopefully it will get even better as we go along. It's a great chance to give the non-Tony Starks, the non-Thors, these right. incredibly rich stories where you really get to dig into them. Like Scarlet Witch could have had three movies. I don't know that we would have, mm. we, we never would have gotten anything as deep as we got in WandaVision, regardless of if you have issues with the end or how it resolves or whatever, which I know a lot of people do, but like three Wanda movies would have had to be much more traditional punch them up, save the world, but telling a more, right. Yeah. A narrative like that, you get so much more sort of development and excavation of the character. Um, Same thing with Loki. 
Um, I, I mean, it looks like we're going to see with Sam, we're going to see some new Captain America with Sam in the role. So that'll be interesting. But, you know, yeah, if you hadn't had the show, I don't know how, um, I don't know. The eventual movie will be much richer for that series yes. existing, I guess, is what I'm saying. They can build it up in these shows. Yep. And if yeah. honestly... Not to not to make another pitch for comics, but if people That's if what I was people listening feel that way about the TV shows, read some good comics because yes. that's yes. what comics do. Well, and that's yeah. what I almost wonder if these shows are going to do it more than any of the movies ever would have. Because, like, on, on from our front at least, we get mm-hmm. into WandaVision, and right away, what's trending? Like, House of M is trending, yeah, or Avengers Disassembled, right? And all yeah. of a sudden, people are trying to find out what is that more yeah. than a movie I think ever did. So, it'll yeah. be interesting to see, yeah. Right. Well, I, I meant to say earlier, and, and I forgot whenever I was bringing up everything I, I loved about your Black Widow comic, um, you listed off your collaborators. And I wanted to say that as as intimate as it is on, on a storytelling level um, and as bold as bold as it is there, I also thought that like it's such a fun book to look at. Uh, it's such a fun book to read. Like you get all of the kind of fun Black Widow stuff that you would ever want while also getting uh, some stuff that's totally unexpected. And and like what we've talked about here uh, pushes it sort of beyond the boundaries um, of who you think Natasha has been or is capable of being. Um, So I I did, I wanted to highlight um, the folks you're working with there who are obviously doing an incredible job. Uh, But I also was curious um, given how much uh, I love this book and how much I know our, our listeners have loved it and will continue to love it as they dig in. Uh, what else do you have going on that you can uh, push folks to? What gets you mm-hmm. most excited coming up? Uh, well, there's not much I can talk about. Everything's pretty much under wraps. I, the only Fair. things I can mm-hmm. really talk about right now are Black Widow and Captain Marvel. I'm working on something else. I'm not sure when it's going to be announced, but I think it'll be soon. And then I I teased several months ago, God, five months ago now, uh, a Jeff the Landshark thing that I'm doing that's not <laughs> sort of a traditional project. It's sort of a atypical project. But um, so that's something else that's coming down the line. But yeah, it's pretty much all Black Widow and Captain Marvel for me right now. They've kept me very busy. Hey. That's a good place well, to be. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's that's great for us. Um, and uh, yeah, our, our interest is peaked. Yes, thank you so much for doing this. This has been an absolute blast. Of course, of course. Uh, thanks for having me on. It was a good time. Um, can our listeners stay in touch with you anywhere, like uh, on social media or anything like that, or otherwise they'll just be looking for the Black Widow comic run, and we'll go from <laughs> sure, there. Sure, sure. Um, the uh, the best place to find me is Twitter, which is at seventy nine semifinalist. Or I do have a newsletter. I have fairly new newsletter. So that's a really good way. That's fun. If you're interested in keeping up with what I'm doing, you can find that at 1979semifinalist.substack.com. Love it. And you can see what we've done so far and subscribe if you're into it. Well, thank you so much. This has been a blast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kelly. Read more comics. That was so fun. I think what was so fun for me is that going into this, I told Robbie, hey, you're the comic guy. So you kind of run this interview. But what was so fun is I found it difficult for me to not jump in because I wanted to talk to her so much. I really appreciated her perspective on not just the comics, but also the characters like Natasha Romanoff. 
as a character and her perspective on the MCU. So that was such a fun discussion. So thanks for listening to that. Thanks for Kelly for joining us. If you're just finding our podcast, we have so many other episodes you can dive into. We have other interviews. This one's not, but we have other interviews that are on YouTube where you can watch them. Again, this one excluded, but check that out on YouTube, friends from work. Follow us on social media at the FFW podcast and subscribe to our podcast, friends from work, wherever you get your podcast. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on friends from work.